Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. I could use some good news. I don't know about you. News came out a little earlier today that SF-109 a bill basically running through the state legislature in Wyoming has passed. It would block chemical RU-46 abortion pills um, from being legal in the state of Wyoming. Wyoming is so close to being the very first state to completely uh, eradicate the RU-46 abortion pill being accessible in their state, killing babies and damaging and harming uh, women. So pray. These are things we need to do across the country. There are other states looking at similar uh, legislation to bring this barbaric practice of chemical abortion to an end in their state. So let's keep praying. Let's keep acting. Uh, a lot to do in our individual states. Roe versus Wade has been overturned, but there is much to do on the front for life. And we're called to be active. We're called to be involved. We're called to speak up, use our voices, and to prayerfully and financially support uh, these programs that are working in our states uh, to end abortion and help uh, women and help save babies. So really important to be involved in your local state. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Are you struggling to have children? Do you know someone who is? My guest today is women's health just expert, Dr. Susan Caldwell. Uh, we're going to be talking today about regulating women's cycles and what to do and what to be on the lookout for, you know, starting with like, hey, what can I do at home? And then when I do look for medical intervention, what do I do? Uh, part of the reason why I'm talking about this is because I've been talking a lot about hormonal contraception and in vitro fertilization over the last couple of weeks. And I have been receiving slews of emails from people saying, okay, I need help. Who would you contact? You know, I'm struggling with irregularity. I think I have endometriosis. I have PCOS. I keep being prescribed birth control. And so we need real solutions. So gentlemen, if you're with us and you maybe think, ah, yeah, this really isn't relevant to me. I'm actually riveted by the number of fathers reaching out saying, hey, I need help uh, for my daughter. Um, what information, what resources do you have? So these are great questions and these are pieces of information. You know, it could be your spouse. It could be someone you know who needs this help uh, down the road or even now, and you have no idea. So buckle up, listen up a little later on. I'm going to share a little bit about my experience being in the NICU with my daughter. Uh, some interesting things happened while I was there that I really do think relate back to the abortion crisis we're experiencing in our culture and something that we need to do to help heal what's happening with regard to uh, the idea of motherhood uh, in our modern culture. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. Join me now 
is medical doctor, Dr. Susan Caldwell. You can find her at drsusancaldwell.com. I'll post a link on social media as well as the episode notes. Dr. Caldwell, I'm really excited to unpack this topic because I know you and I have really danced around it a lot, connecting everything from endometriosis and PCOS and Hashimoto's um, to the crisis of women's health and fertility. Uh, But we haven't directly talked about the irregularity of women's cycles. This is so common from the food we eat, food allergies, stressors, lack of exercise, lack of enough vitamin D or iron. So let's talk about, you know, what would be a sign for an irregular cycle and what would be a sign that something needs to be done? Great. And and, and the first thing to do for a woman who notices, hey, something is a little off, Um, number one, pay attention, start to just pay attention. Don't freak out. Don't run to the doctor and say, doctor, fix it. But we need to just kind of look at it ourselves and to be very patient while we're being curious. Um, and know that a lot of times irregular cycles are a response, like you said, to something that is off in our diet, in our we see this a lot in young girls in high school who are in sports, um, who uh, aren't sleeping enough or eating enough. Um, and, and a lot of times this will self-correct within a few months, a hundred days for, for an egg to go through the process of ovulation. So any major stressor that happens it can take about 100 days or or three months to kind of self-correct. So sometimes just identifying, wow, like we had a That's Dr. Susan Caldwell joining me today on Trending. Um, It's really interesting what you're saying, Dr. Caldwell, especially about uh, taking 100 days for an egg to mature. Because I remember when I was going through this journey, I was having all these food allergy issues. There were cyclical issues for me. Um, Doctors were telling me, you know, when I was in college um, that, you know, there's a possibility, you know, I might not be able to have children. I was kind of swallowing that pill of, you know, the unknown, not assuming, but that that was an unknown. Uh, That was a possibility. And I do remember learning that it can take three cycles, basically, right, 90-ish days um, to kind of have something reset in your body. So, like, let's say you're eating dairy and dairy is a problem. You really need to have 90 days, three cycles uh, to get through to start to see the benefit of that change and a level of regularity. So when you're talking about, you know, when we first start to see irregularities, we need to not uh, panic. I think that's very important for us to know in these circumstances, because on some, I think, levels, there's this like, oh, hey, great. There has been no period for like three to six months. And that's awesome. And then other times you start to realize, actually, if you didn't know this fun fact, you know, a regular period is a sign actually of good health. So Dr. Caldwell, you were talking about that 100-day cycle that you were mentioning with the egg uh, developing. I was mentioning how, you know, when we make a change, we often should expect a good three cycles before we start to see the full benefit of it. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. And it helps to use an app like Flow or Clue. Um, There's so many apps these days where a, a woman can even Um, put her information in about her bleeding and the app sometimes even gives advice 
you know, about about things, although you have to be careful to, to listen to any all of it. But basically, if you think of it as, okay, I'm, I'm in a learning process right now. I don't want to overreact and, and do anything, you know, that's going to hurt, hurt the situation, um, but just pay attention. And then we have so many resources out there for girls. You know, a, a lot of you know, women, uh, young women, especially, um, or really, you know, now even older women, their moms were just treated with birth control starting mm-hmm. in the 60s. So the, the moms don't have the period awareness and the cycle, you know, um, in- in- intelligence, you know, about what's normal. So a lot of times, you know, girls can't go to their moms or their grandmothers and say, help me, is this normal? Because mom's going to say, let's just get on the pill because that's what my, I did, right? So we don't want to jump to that. We want to learn. So so good resources. Um, Laura Bryden, Dr. Laura Bryden has a great book called The Period Repair Manual. And it's really just a great resource where she, you know, she doesn't advocate for birth control. She advocates for understanding and, and, and self-awareness. And things like the Hormone Genius podcast and Natural Womanhood, those are some great places to just learn what's normal. Because sometimes, especially in early adolescence, um, it is quite common and, and actually normal to not have a regular cycle. Mm-hmm. And that can also happen at the end of the reproductive lifespan in, in the 40s. Or some, some women even in their 30s can start to have some irregularities that, that hearken to, you know, maybe menopause is going to come early for me. Mm-hmm. So it, it, by paying attention and making note of it and, and tracking in some way, um, that's the first step. And I'm glad you just mentioned that, you know, irregularities are okay and can happen, especially earlier on in life, because I remember diving into some of the research on breast cancer and cancer, and you know, we're overly focused on the way the cycle is happening. We're actually impacting a risk of cancer down the road. Are you able to speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so, man. Um, <laughs> a whole breast, other topic. So, yeah, no, it's so great, yeah. So uh, our breasts um, just like our brain, just like our uterus and every, really every cell in the body, um, really depends on us ovulating well, making estrogen, making progesterone. Um, there are definitely studies that, that show that, that low progesterone, that, that hormone that's made after ovulation for the last two weeks of the cycle is really critical um, for the, helping the breasts um, to, to, to kind of mature and to balance the effect of estrogen. So our breasts don't like one hormone and not another or, or fake hormones. Um, our breasts do not like birth control hormones. Our, you know, that definitely we know leads, uh, can lead to cancer because the breasts of the adolescent, the woman who has not had a baby yet or had a, a full-term delivery, um, are still in a very immature state and the, the birth control pill is a carcinogen. So if in a, a woman who's already had a baby, um, she is not going to be as affected by that carcinogen because her breast development has become at its, you know, it's met its maturity. But a young woman who's exposed to birth control still has that, that vulnerability to the, the mm-hmm. carcinogenic effect. But also women who have miscarriages and abortions, who have mm-hmm. an abrupt discontinuation of their hormone. Um, you know, the, in other words, the breasts are, are being exposed to the hormones um, and then abruptly the, the, the increasing hormones, you know, the, the hormones get really, really high um, in, in pregnancy. Um, and when there's an abrupt end of the pregnancy, 
um, especially in abortion, um, because it's so unnatural, um, the breasts are kind of stuck in this uh, system of, 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 of just uh, having to heal from that, and it's very unnatural. So mm-hmm. anyway, that, so there's lots of ways the breast can be um, vulnerable um, to cancer. It's fascinating. I mean, we could talk about uterine cancer and all number of areas where this is being impacted by the irregularity of women's health today. And the Band-Aid of, okay, so the most common thing you hear, there's some slight irregularity in a woman's cycle. That might not even be why a young girl or an adult woman goes to a doctor, but it's brought up and lo and behold, a boom, the first thing recommended is birth control. Now, you and I know that the birth control um, pharmaceutical industry is so financially lucrative. Uh, This is why we're hearing about all kinds of different types of new birth control practically every day. And that's part of the reason why physicians are so quick to recommend them because physicians can receive financial perks for prescribing certain types of medications. And so that's a big alert, like alert sign for us, but they also don't know solutions, real solutions for women's body. So if a woman's right. going through any type of irregularity, what can she do at home? And then I want to talk a little later about what would be done when medical intervention is needed and what how to know that's necessary. Yes. So like I said before, um, I think just stopping, pausing, okay, this is going on, this is happening to me. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of Google in many places, but this is a place where, you know, a woman would want to look into, okay, what is normal? But again, we want to use really good resources. Um, Laura Bryden, like I said, her book and her, she has resources, Hormone Genius, Natural Womanhood. So tracking the cycle and then actually starting to really ask yourself, okay, am I, am I getting enough sleep? Am I, um, you know, you know, could I be anemic? You know, just, just really, I mean, sometimes we just, we just kind of push ourselves. We push through women, women just push through so many times without recognizing like, man, maybe I'm not getting what I need. So by just connecting to our body, befriending our body and saying, you know, getting curious, like what is, what could be going on? Mm-hmm. Um, before, Vitamin D deficiency, iron deficiencies, not exercising, not yeah. going outside, right? Like there's a yes. lot to do Sleep. beforehand. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm linking to all these resources that you are literally blowing us up with. My poor male producers on the team right now are like, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. It's there. Poor guys are helping pull up all these links, but we're throwing them out there. You mentioned the period repair manual the website mm-hmm. natural womanhood um yes. you mentioned the clue app flow app so i'm including links in the episode notes as well as on social media because this is a huge help and this is part of the reason why this is so important so gentlemen if you're with me stay with me because women are literally having abortions and using abortive contraception that is contraception that functions as an abortion knowingly or unknowingly because there isn't enough information about women's Mm. health today and so this Mm -hmm. is starting them on a journey of physically mentally emotionally and spiritually damaging chemicals that are literally chemical bombs to their body and they don't even know it Mm. so let's go into the next step you've worked on more of the natural side things maybe still aren't working out um or maybe you accidentally or intentionally say something to your physician about irregularity in your cycle who should you go to? And if you're not with the right person, what do you do to properly navigate and protect yourself from just being put on harmful medications? Yeah. Well, one really good early question to ask 
your doctor is to ask them, you know, tell them what's going on. And if the doctor just quickly gives you a prescription, then you're at the wrong place right there. You just back away and you email Timory. I'm kidding. Or me or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but, we'll take it. We'll help you. We'll yeah, we'll take it. But, yes, they're, absolutely. but they're in the episode but, notes too. <laughs> but you but you know that's a first clue because if somebody is not going, you know, somebody's just going to try to quote unquote fix a period problem with a pill without actually, you know, helping you understand. So you you, you should ask the question, why is this happening and can we do some work, you know, work up? Can we do a lab? Um, can we do some testing? I would, you know, recommend very basic, you know, thyroid testing, ferritin, which is an iron test. Your ferritin um, is, a, is a measure of the whole body iron, and it's more sensitive than a CBC, a complete blood, blood count. Ferritin should be in men, ferritin is above 100. But in most women I see who are having periods, their ferritin is less than 30, which is a cause for many anxiety. It's cause for fatigue. It's cause for an exacerbation of, in other words, uh, some, some women can have more. You know, so our um, cycle can naturally cause some mental instability, some mood instability, some physical instability, just because of the, the, the hormones. But when, when things are off in our, in our physiology, like our iron levels, for example, those, those ups and downs in our hormones can actually cause severe symptoms like headaches, um, severe breast pain, severe insomnia, anxiety, when naturally we wouldn't be as vulnerable. So you definitely want to ask about iron testing or ferritin testing, thyroid testing. Um, and there are, there's a whole panel of, of uh, labs like prolactin, um, PCOS labs. I don't know if we want to go off into that, but, but there is a kind of a workup for polycystic ovarian syndrome, looking at fasting insulin levels. Um, and, and that, again, I would refer you back to Dr. Laura Bryden to look at, the, and she tells you exactly what labs to test for that. I mean, you know, it, you literally could walk into your doctor's office with that book, the period repair manual, manual and see if the doctor even knows anything. I mean, it's really a good, a good resource. That's um, fantastic. And yeah. I like that you're mentioning, like, walk into the doctor's office with that book because maybe yes. I'm just a part of a nerd herd here but there have been countless times where I have had to advocate and fight for my health by saying well what about this what about the connection here and I've been to doctors who didn't even think of or know that there was a connection and I was actually introducing them to a new field of medicine they're like that's interesting yes. sure okay and I will tell them these are the labs I would like drawn because I'm doing the homework to try and help piece this information together and that's yes. frustrating Dr. Caldwell but if we want true healthy resources in a mm -hmm. multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical age that we live in today we kind of have to so that we don't mm -hmm. just have these drugs being pushed down our throats mm -hmm. literally Right. And I really do think that doctors, women's health doctors are of goodwill and they really want to help their patients, but they have been taught a very, um, you know, very limited set of tools for irregular periods. You know, they have, they've been taught a lot more, you know, when, with regards to how to manage a pregnancy, for example, um, lots of different tools. But when somebody comes in with irregular periods, heavy periods, it's really just, you know, kind of birth control or mm -hmm. IUD or hysterectomy. I mean, it's a very small set of tools. And, and if we don't kind of push back against those 
that paradigm, then nothing's going to change. So it mm-hmm. does, it will, will take women kind of walking in and saying, no, that's not going to work for me. And then a, a doctor of goodwill should get curious and say, wow, okay, this is interesting. Thank you for showing me this. Maybe let's work. Let's see if you don't mind. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Let's do it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and we, of course, recommend NAPRO physicians. You are a NAPRO physician. Um, NAPRO physicians were trained at the Pope Paul VI Institute, um, answering the call of Pope St. Paul VI uh, regarding um, women's health and fertility and the crisis in our culture of birth control um, and where the church fits into that. There's a lot more that we could discuss on that front. Um, But these are usually Catholic doctors, but at least there's a strong level of morality, Catholic morality behind these doctors who train here. Um, So I highly recommend them. We're going to include links on how to find an APRO physician um, or a fertility care practitioner because you might start working with a fertility care practitioner who would help you in charting your cycle and being able to indicate and know, you know, areas of health and unhealth in your cycle and watch it yourself. So those are some resources. We're going to uh, take your questions. If you have any questions, the number is 1-888-914-9149. And Dr. Caldwell also really does address the important topic of fertility and infertility. So if you have a question there, we're happy to take it. And I love it. Thank you, gentlemen, for sticking with us. Nathaniel from Colorado is on the line. Uh, Nathaniel, what question do you have about your daughter? Uh, Yeah, she has uh, really painful menstrual cramps. And I didn't know if there was, you know, some resource or something we could kind of look into or what ideas you might have for us on that. Oh, yeah, great. Yes. Okay, so um, it's a good idea to, well, if you could talk to a doctor, even the pediatrician, just to have a sense of, you know, how is, you know, how severe are, is the pain and just what has been tried. So that's the first question we usually ask, you know, have you tried Advil? Have you tried Aleve? And if, if, if those work, then great, you know, then, then chances are with time, the periods will get probably better because she's in a transition period, you know, during adolescence, you, there's a lot of bumpy symptoms that can happen that will even out over time. Um, I would also recommend that she, uh, well, look at Dr. Laura Bryden, the period repair manual book. That's a really good guide for painful periods and supplements that can be used. Mm -hmm. Um, Magnesium is one that she's going to recommend. The other thing is to have a trial to avoid cow's milk cow's dairy for a couple two to three months and see because that could, some people it's a real trigger and it, it can really it cause um, any painful condition to be more painful especially periods um, but fish oil I mean you'll see a whole list of supplements in there um, and then we always want to just in the back of our mind have the possibility know that, that there's a possibility of endometriosis when periods are real really really painful and that's why just having a conversation because let's say she's missing two days of school um, a month that that's really significant um, and that really needs maybe to see a napro doctor or she really needs to be seen by someone who kind of specializes in restorative women's health um, just to make sure that she's not um, we're not you know, we're doing everything that we can do and some women um, even uh, normal proge- like natural progesterone can help prometrium like giving that 10 days a month can sometimes really help with pain and and heavy flow um, so those are just some thoughts but um, hopefully you can reach out and find somebody to, to kind of talk talk to about it 
Mm, excellent resource. And you keep bringing up a Dr. Laura Bryden's book, Peer Repair <laughs> yeah. Manual. Um, we're linking on social media and in the episode notes all of these resources. But if you're wanting to look it up right now, Dr. Laura Bryden, that's L-A-R-A, Bryden spelled B-R-I-T. D-E-N, period repair manual. Again, that's linked on social media. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. And I actually do have a follow-up question on natural progesterone, but we'll come back on that in just a moment. Uh, We're going to be talking about rejecting versus embracing the female body and also what's happening on the front of abortion and kind of how it's influencing even the culture surrounding those children who are wanted and how we look at our children as women and as people of faith. Interesting topic. I'll be right back with Dr. Susan Caldwell. You can find her at drsusancaldwell.com. Caldwell spelled C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. We'll be right back here on Trending. Are you tired of educational options that are one size fits all? Our sponsor, Colby Academy, offers the flexibility of both accredited online and traditional school-at-home options to fit the needs of your child. Visit relevantradio.com slash Colby. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's great to be with you. We are with Dr. Susan Caldwell today. She is a women's health expert. We're going to be talking about rejecting versus embracing the female body. If you missed our last segment together, ooh, tons of resources. This is like an absolute bomb of 20 minutes helping you with regard to um, women's health, women's cycles, periods, irregular, regular, what to do about it, and incredible resources. So if you know someone who's struggling, everything from intense cramps to irregularity, being encouraged to go on birth control, you are equipped with what you need to know know um, to work on it at home. And then when the time comes working with a physician to protect yourself from being put on birth control. Uh, So joining me now is Dr. Susan Caldwell. You can find her at drsusancaldwell.com. That's C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L.com. Tons of awesome resources and articles there. Uh, Let's talk, Dr. Caldwell, about uh, this challenge in our culture we're living in. And I think we see it uh, presenting itself in many ways. This ideological acceptance that we can reject our bodies, like inherently reject our bodies, our God-given bodies. And it comes out, uh, I think, most blatantly in the transgender movement today of this outright rejection of the body, um, where especially for women, we're seeing this onslaught of countless girls uh, coming out suddenly as transgender. It's with what's referred to as sudden gender onset with no prior um, direction at all pointing toward a gender dysphoric identity. Uh, But I think what it does point to is this acceptance that if you hate your body, you can reject your body and woohoo, you can call yourself a man now and just take cross sex hormones and that works. But I think it happened much sooner than that with this idea of the rejection of what is feminine, such is our bodies, um, the ability to have children. But I think it also goes into this whole topic of where we're discussing um, fertility and cycles. So I want to hear your thoughts on this whole challenge of the body today. Yeah. Wow. You know, um, we 
you know, here we are in Lent, right? And we are celebrating this beautiful season um, that will lead us to Easter. But we just at, at, we just celebrated Christmas, right? About this, the incarnation of God, right? God had a, became a human with a body, right? And so when that happened, you know, our bodies became a target for the enemy, right? So it, there is a tendency for us automatically out of the womb to somehow be at war with our body, to not like our body. We have these ideas that something's wrong with us from the beginning. I mean, think back, you know, maybe on the playground, you know, you didn't like the color of your skin or the, the type of hair you had or your pimples. I, you know, this is not new that we would somehow not like our body. But something really um, uh, sinister happened with the advent of the birth control pill um, because we've always had this idea, this Manichaean uh, idea that the body is bad. You know, this is an old philosophy. Um, and then um, Rene Descartes was uh, kind of mm -hmm. taught us, you know, I think, therefore I am. So this, the, automatically we're at this dualistic, you yes. know, there's this, what, what I think I am and, and what I actually have in my body. You know, I am my body. I am my body. So um, it's not something that we can just det detach ourselves from. Um, so where I see this is um, in the, you know, the realm of birth control and IVF. Right. Mm -hmm. So what women are doing and what I did, right, this is, you know, mea culpa. I mean, this is where I learn, I, you know, we learn from what the hard way, you know, that, an, a lot of times. Um, and uh, we're talking, I'm, I'm just sharing that. But, you know, I didn't like my cramps. I didn't like the fact that I could get pregnant if I had sex. I didn't like a lot of things about my body. I didn't like my acne. And so the doctor offered me this little pill. Right. Um, and, and so but what happens is when we accept things like that, then all of a sudden now we, we believe this lie that I can control my body. I can. And it's not you're not doing it. Now, I could understand, you know, if, if you have a heart disease and you're taking a medicine to help your body to function better, this is a totally different philosophy. But when you're taking something that changes your, uh, in other words, a, a woman who's ovulating and takes the pill, you know, you're, you're taking a healthy person and making them sick by taking a medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then, so as, as I did, I didn't think anything of it, right? You know, I'll just take it and, and sure, you know, it, it could have problems, but I'm feeling good in the moment. So we're, cha we're ch exchanging, you know, we're saying I want short-term relief without really considering the long-term effects, which in my case with birth control was infertility. And so, you know, I just saw a woman the other day who had been through three cycles of IVF. Mm. Oh, my and heart goes out to her. One of her IV, uh, one of her pregnancies was a twin pregnancy, and one of the twins died as a stillborn at 37 weeks. And we just sat there together, and I mean, it was just the silence and the grief, because we we just turned, and, and she just she agreed, and we just we just mourned this together. But we we turn ourselves. Our, it's like we go to the doctor, and we just turn over our bodies to be manipulated. Mm -hmm. for an outcome, you know, without really considering that this is my body, right. you know, I'm not a thing. 
I am a person to be loved and to be cared for and to be treated with dignity and to be restored to health, not to be manipulated in order for an outcome, even a good outcome like a baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're here working with these women who are picking back up the pieces of the mess that has impacted their bodies where they were told, okay, you'll have a baby with in vitro fertilization. And the success rate is extremely low for in vitro fertilization. Um, You have to get through multiple horrific rounds of in vitro fertilization to have any sort of success rate often. And it's damaging. I mean, you, for those who don't know, Dr. Called why I know you're very candid about it, but you shared your story here. Uh, you yes. have a past of having used in vitro fertilization in order to conceive children, and it destroyed your body. And I yeah. mean, you you you've chronicled like from the contraception to the rejection of cramps mm-hmm. and acne, um, you know, to the fact that you don't like to get pregnant if you have sex. And I mean, you were going through medical school and all these things, that, you know, that you accomplished. Like you were there in the midst of that lie that women are being told to just literally nuke your body with hormones. We're literally putting chemical bombs in our bodies and then we're expecting them to function properly, whether it be through IVF or hormonal contraception or even abortion. And yet our bodies are being destroyed by this. And like you mentioned, it's that heresy of dualism really within the church, this rejection Mm -hmm. of body and soul. We are a body and soul uh, composite. We're not just one versus the other. And what we do to the body impacts the soul. And on the level of the soul, how we interact impacts the body. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the woman who I encountered who had been through the IVFs, you know, she said, you know, I just feel she just, you know, this now her children were a little bit older, but she said, you know, I really just feel bad. And no one has ever been able to tell me why mm. I've, I, I wasn't mm. healthy. And I'm mm. still, and now she's, she's even less healthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even, and that's what's so, what's so hard is that um, the, the, the just dismissal you know, the, the woman was dismissed by the doctors in terms of her as a person. Right. Um, but then the, what we, what we, those of us who have been accomplice of that, like we, we allowed that to happen. So we in turn start dismissing ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I guess, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. As long as I'm a mom, as long as I have a baby, I'm fine. It doesn't matter if I'm healthy. I guess I'm supposed to be tired. I guess I'm supposed to be sick, you know, and that's not true. It's not true. We're supposed to be whole. Mm -hmm. And that comes all the way back to our prior conversation that we had earlier on this episode about, you know, when we reject our bodies and we reject the cycle, when we reject the difficulty that a period does bring and the changing of hormones, um, we're rejecting what God gave us, but it doesn't have to be difficult the way in which women are experiencing today as a result of food, thyroid issues, vitamin deficiencies, unhealthy lifestyle. So we talk about resources for that. If you weren't with us, please listen to this episode, share it with a friend because this is a powerful conversation. Uh, We have a question coming in. Elisa from San Diego has a question about being premenopause and serotonin. Lisa, what's your question for Dr. Caldwell today? Yes. Hi, doctor. And thanks for touching bases on this subject because there's a little bit of information out there for us women that are going through premenopause Mm -hmm. and we're going through a change and we don't know this change, right? Um, I am going through this change and I went to a doctor to get lab tests and I don't know what I need to be looking for, but I feel anxious. I feel the lack of sleep and I know I'm going through premenopause, um, but I he, he referred me to take a small dosage of birth control, and I've never done that. I, I don't want to mm. 
go through that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what type of question or what I need Mm -hmm. to be asking him so I can get the direction. And I think um, I did go into serotonin on Amazon. I I purchased something and I felt better. But I don't know if there's something else uh, for us premenopausal women. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm with you. So welcome to the club. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been I've been having to learn, you know, the hard way because this is not something I learned in medical school. So I'm going to sound like I work for Dr. Laura Bryden, but she does have a book called the Hormone Repair Manual where um, it's she's the she's just the best teacher in this space right now. So um, it's it's a book or a Kindle, but she'll she actually has a has a prescript, quote unquote, prescription for menopausal sleep. Um, and she'll say um, taurine um, at night, magnesium at night, um, L-theanine. But, but the big thing that, that you have to understand, and, it, and she explains it in the book, is that as you approach your 40s, you start to lose progesterone. Progesterone is nature's Xanax. If you're familiar with that that uh, drug, it's a very calming drug. So normally our body ma- makes that compound every month when after we ovulate for two weeks. But once we hit around 40 years old, that, that hormone kind of goes away. So a lot of women in their 40s experience anxiety and sleep problems. I know I did, along with heavy periods. Those are the three symptoms. Um, of that. And so you can actually take um, natural progesterone or prometrium um, at night, and it is such a good treatment if it's a, as a prescription. So you can definitely try the supplements. If you're still having periods, um, you can't take prometrium every single night of your life. Um, you're you're going to have to take it, you know, maybe two weeks of the month, like the second half of the cycle. Um, but there's different ways to do it. Um, another resource um, that you can look up uh, for, actually, Dr. Bryden will um, will mention it, but there's um, a site called SEMCOR, C-E-M-C-O-R. Um, it's a Dr. Geraldine Pryor um, out of Canada, and she explains... Um, different ways to use progesterone um, in, in either the adolescence or perimenopausal um, women. And you could actually, you know, look that up and bring that to your doctor. And what was that again? Simcor, you said? C-E-M-C-O-R. Okay, Simcor. Great, dot we'll link to UBC that. UBC.ca is what okay. I have. Yeah. So, and Geraldine Pryor is her name, but, um, but yeah, I, I read, you know, I learned, I looked at that website and I I think any doctor of goodwill could look at that and say, wow, I'm learning something, a tool I can use in the toolbox. Um, so that may really help you. Let's actually dive into a question. I was emailed this earlier because we were talking a lot about synthetic progesterones with regard to contraception over the last week. And a listener wrote in from, Green Bay, and she said, I heard you talking about progesterone versus prometrium recently. She said she has to take it for endocrine reasons. She has PCOS. Um, and so she's asking, basically, how do you distinguish and know if you're receiving natural progesterone or not? So prometrium is going, or the generic uh, for that, yes. um, is going to be a gel capsule. It's almost like a gummy. It's not a gummy, but it's like a it's a, a gelatin, squishy capsule. Um, I believe Provera is a tablet. So that's one way. And then the the word um, 
methyl, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, let's see, Provera's other name is, I don't want, I just want to make sure I'm not, um, uh, I'm not saying the wrong thing because I don't use, I don't prescribe it. So um, <laughs> what's another name mm -hmm. for Provera? Met Medroxy progesterone acetate. So it, that would be the other. So it's so if it's Provera or Med Medroxy progesterone acetate, then that's the synthetic. Again, it's a tablet. It's a it's a you know a tablet that that crumbles as opposed to a squishy jelly looking oval or or, mm -hmm. or round. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just not going to. It's not natural, and your body is just not going to receive it as natural. And your body mm -hmm. again, our breasts, our brain, our uterus. Um, all of these things, cells in our body, really are, are, are wanting the natural permetrium and not the synthetic. Okay, real quick, one last question, and we can rattle this off quickly, and I'll include links where we discussed it. Martha from Miami is asking for other alternatives um, to birth control, like if you have PCOS. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so permetrium. I use that universally in women with PCOS. Yep. So mm -hmm. I, I use it. Um, it's Prometrium. Um, it's a prescription. Um, it, it should be, there's two different protocols for that. Um, the NAPRO protocol, um, there's a, so there's a low dose and a high dose of Prometrium for, for PCOS. Um, and that mm -hmm. is, that that is given to kind of restore the um, we call it the HPO axis, so the hypothalamus pituitary in the brain, two glands in the brain, both are speaking to the ovaries. So when those three those three glands, two in the brain, and of course the ovaries are you know are two two in the in the um, pelvis, um, they're they're all speaking to each other. They're like on a loop. They're on a loop. And so when a woman takes natural progesterone in the, in the last two weeks of her cycle, it helps restore communication in that loop. So it helps a woman to ovulate. Um, that's one of the things that it does for PCOS. But of course, with PCOS, we want to know the type of PCOS the woman has. So if she has insulin-resistant PCOS, she's got to get off sugar. You know, mm -hmm. she's got to really get rid of carbs and sugar, not rid of, but lower carbs and sugar in her diet. If she has androgen, uh, PCOS, p progesterone is a great um, answer for that. Um, there could be adrenal PCOS, which is a result of stress. So she would have to look at, you know, kind of, you know, what's what's uh, stressing her and what's, you know, what, what resources maybe she needs to conserve a little bit. Um, so there's just different types. So, but, but almost every PCOS patient will need mm -hmm. progesterone at some point and it needs to be natural progesterone. Yeah. And I was able, and we could talk about compounding progesterone being better. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I was on progesterone for a while because I had PCOS um, and Hashimoto's disease. And with treating my thyroid and being on progesterone for a while, we've been able to reverse and treat my PCOS that I'm not having symptoms. And I don't have to be on progesterone now. And so these are what yeah. things that are so great about our NAPRO doctors. We'll post links to them on social media. Dr. Caldwell, thank you so much for joining us today on Trending, answering our women's health questions that are so important. This episode is a true gold mine of resources and those resources are in the episode notes so find this episode tonight relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast we are there and please do yourself and do a woman in your life a favor and send this episode via text link to them it is a powerful and helpful tool that they need the catholic order of foresters the sponsor of our studio line is hiring today several positions are available throughout the u.s 
Visit relevantradio.com slash foresters to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not licensed in all states. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. A lot of you were with me at the beginning of the year as I had my baby girl at the end of the year. And then lo and behold, we ended up in the NICU with a newborn. Uh, Five days in the NICU. And for anyone who's been in the NICU with a child, my heart just goes out to you. It's very, very challenging and it's scary. Uh, By the grace of God, you guys were surrounding me with prayer and support. And I had so much peace, even if very, very, very little sleep, very little sleep. I remember, I think we were on day four in the NICU and I had not slept. It was like maybe moments here and there. Uh, But something really interesting happened while I was in there. And there's so much I could say as I continue to process it all. Um, But when I was in the NICU, I was astounded by something that happened there. I was uh, in, there were two NICU wards where I was at. um, And the whole time I was there for those five days, I only ever saw one other parent. Um, The babies were all there in isolation, um, cared for only by the nurses uh, that were there. And I was my my jaw dropped. I didn't know what to think at first. I was angry, upset. My heart was breaking. They would have these babies and these huge machines that they were transporting uh, through the hospital, coming in and out from surgeries, and there would be no parent with them. And I, I get on one side, some parents are just having to get back to work or are having to take care of other children and doing what they're doing. But, you know, five days with two separate NICUs right there, um, it was devastating. And what I really realized, especially because I would hear, I would hear, I was there 24-7, I would hear the doctors and the nurses on the phone at times with the parents. And one of the things when you have a baby in the NICU, if you ever find yourself there, one of the best things you can do is keep your baby skin to skin. It helps regulate um, emotions, heart rate, breathing. It helps with healing. And so I I really had my baby skin to skin the whole time. I I was up 24-7 with her. The doctors, the nurses really said this is why she thrived, she recovered, and we were able to leave as soon as we were and why she's doing so well now. And uh, they would, I would hear the doctors on the phone like saying, hey, you know, if you want your baby, you know, to get healthy, you really need to do skin to skin with the baby. And she's saying this to parents who I hadn't seen showing up. And this isn't a moment of parent shaming, but this is what it dovetails into as I was really thinking about why aren't these parents here? Now, again, I mentioned there's some parents who couldn't be there because, you know, they maybe they had other children. Maybe they had to work in order to fund having that baby in the NICU ward. You know, everyone has a different story. But to have this be something universal across two separate NICU wards, uh, on the floor I was in at this children's hospital, that something is going on. And what is going on, I know, is a pro-abortion culture that we live in. Uh, The anti-motherhood culture we live in. That this uh, improper detachment from children, uh, from babies, from newborns, is fueled by a culture of abortion that says that a child can be either wanted or unwanted and I can abort a baby or I could have aborted you and so I can kind of treat you differently. I, I can reject you. I can say I'm not the mothering type. I can say, um, you know, 
this is just too hard. I need to leave. I need to get my sleep. I need to cope in other ways. And at the end of the day, we've hit a point in our culture where it's acceptable to reject a human being, to literally reject a human being in the name of quote unquote choice, in the name of careerism, in the name of feeling criticized, fear of being the mommy or the daddy type, fear of having um, no worth outside of your child and needing to chase that in a career. This pro-abortion culture, this radical form of feminism, of second and third wave feminism, is what has fueled this unbearable and sorrowful detachment from parents toward their children, especially mothers. I mean, I'm telling you, two floors of NICU emergency wards in a children's hospital, and I only ever saw one other parent in that entire five-day time. And I, I was there 24-7 with my baby. I did not leave uh, that room. And if I left the room, I made sure a nurse was with her. Well, I would just go and use the restroom. I mean, I, and I'm not saying, hey, yay, I did a great job. But what I'm saying is this is how unhealthy this detachment of motherhood and children has gone because of the abortion culture. That even in the midst of when we are choosing life, there's confusion about what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a mother how to discover that painful discovery of sacrificial love. I hear from so many women, uh, well-intentioned, well, I'm just not the mothering type. Or, you know, I just don't know what to do, and so I leave. I chose, you know, to do other things. And I really want to recommend this book by Erica Kumazar. She's been a guest here. It's titled Being There, Why Prioritizing the First Three Years Matters. And she talks about not just the first three years, but in general, child psychology and the needs, what all these psychologists know, but they're not willing to say because of how intense the pro-abortion and radical feminist culture is. And it's this idea of being present. It's a choice. It's a challenge. Sometimes it takes building habits making choices, seeking out resources, asking advice. And if we don't do that as people of faith and building up mothers, encouraging parents, we're going to see NICUs like I saw where these babies are abandoned. We have to fight to choose life in our battle against abortion, but we also have to fight to choose life by helping fortify those mothers who have chosen life but are struggling to figure out and pick up the pieces of what motherhood is in a culture that has radically opposed, rejected, and shamed women out of living their maternal gifts. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, Our Lady, Mother of the Infant Jesus, pray for us.